This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com, sponsors of our free weekly podcasts. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. Hi, this story is Sprung Maple by Bill Allerton. This is a story I wrote quite a long time ago. I'm not sure where the inspiration for it came from. It's quite a strange tale. So if you're quite open to a little bit of strange, then here you go. It's about curses. And it's about, if you lay a curse, who do you lay it on? Does it stay with the person who you are cursing, or does it rebound and become your own curse? This is also a story about an enduring love and jealousy that spans four generations. It's set out on the end of a pier, a broken institution that we used to have in Britain at most of our seaside towns. And on the end of piers in those days, in their heyday, there was always a dance hall. Sprung maple I was three years old when Grandpa took me to see Alice. I watched his eyes fill with tears as he bent down to speak to me. He was tall, and my arm stretched up into the dark distance where his hand held mine. See? he asked. See how beautiful she is? I nodded, half afraid my hands reached out to touch the lace hem of her skirt. It's all right, he said teasing the darkness in my hair with his fingers. You can touch her. I didn't want to, then. He knelt down beside me, pushing me gently in the small of the back. Go on, take a walk around. Look at these beautiful people. They can't hurt anyone, not any more. I remember taking one step towards her. Look at them all, Grandpa said. Fresh as daisies. Here, let me pick you up. Your great-grandpa bought this dance hall nigh on eighty years ago. The pier used to go on for another quarter mile, and you could walk back to the shore then, all the planks were still fastened in. We used to find him here sometimes, alone. If you can be alone here. But great-grandpa could be alone anywhere. Look at these people here. They're dancing. Look, I'll show you. And grandpa danced me around the floor with one arm held high.
put me down and stood back to catch a breath. Of course, I don't have the style, he said. Never did. Even stood like this, they have a sort of grace I never managed to find. I used to think that Alice was beautiful, he said. But that was a childhood word. Now I think she's incredible, and more so with every year. But although she seems changeless, there are things in here that change like your tiny fingers, soft and fluttering as a sparrow inside my hands. Yes, it's dark in here, he said. Always a kind of half-light, but then it always was. Listen, and I'll tell you. Grandpa spoke softly to me. Do you know her name? I shook my head. Her name is Alice, he said. I watched his eyes lose their focus as if he were looking through the sprung maple planking and down to where the sea surged and the boat spanked the cold iron beneath us. I touched the hem of her lace overskirt. I know, said Grandpa. It isn't soft like I thought it would be, either. I looked around the chair to where her foot swung the still air and saw I could reach it easily. Her crossed legs were encased in a smooth black silk that flickered with the half-light, and now one foot pointed towards me accusingly, daring me to reach out and touch. Her shoe shone like black glass, and around the edge fell a row of tiny pearls. I ran my finger along them. At the point where her foot entered the shoe I could see the harshness of small bones, but above the shoe her leg was slender, sculpted, smoothed and long. Fascinated, my fingers reached out. She was warm, and as I lifted my hand away quickly, Grandpa smiled and nodded. I held my breath in case she should wake, and as I looked up into the blonde hair that swept her face like folded bird wings... Her eyes were smiling. I fell back and sat on the floor. I put my hands on the wood to steady me. That's sprung maple, boy, said Grandpa. Great-Grandpa said that when they danced it slid under his feet like oiled silk, like it was a cloud scudding under him. He placed his huge hand gently on my shoulder. See this fella there? That's Ralph Undercock. A cigarette was caught between the fingers of Alice's right hand, and her mouth was opened slightly in anticipation. Ralph Undercott leaned over the table towards her, his thumb pressing the flint wheel of a cigarette lighter. His mouth crooked to smile beneath the rigid line of his nose, and between them a moustache drew a thin, symmetrical arc. A red and cream jacket, striped like an unfurled barber pole, draped from wide, square shoulders. His slacks were cream, and their creases fell in razors to the white decks of his shoes. Alice's eyes were focused on his, and I could see why they were smiling. Grandpa pointed to Ralph's hand. Look here, he said. See Ralph's thumb? See where it touches the flint wheel? Great-grandpa said that when he was young, that thumb was stuck straight up in the air. Look, here, I'll pick you up. See? See how the thumb is halfway down the wheel. And look here, down there, down by the wick. See that growing spark? Wasn't there when I was a boy. And one day, when you're a man, who knows? Maybe it'll be more 
than just a spark. Grandpa picked me up and held me to his chest with an arm straight right out, and we whirled around and in between the dancers again. Do you know that, boy? he said. It's a waltz. Let it take hold of you. Feel it in the music. You're a horse on a carousel and the world is whispering past. It's all here. It's all in the music. He took me tighter under his arm, feet gliding as we moved faster and faster. Suddenly we stopped, and Grandpa leaned against the low stage. He sat me on the edge and pulled a handkerchief from his pocket. With great racking coughs, he buried his face deep into the cloth. He looked up then to a window high above the locked entrance to the hall. The shutters broke crookedly inside like useless wings. Beyond them, the air was dark, but flickering bright against it was the moon. I know what you're thinking, boy. Grandpa wiped his face and put away the handkerchief. You're thinking... What's that moon doing up there when we came in not half an hour ago and it was broad daylight? He picked me up and I rested in the crook of his arm. Well, I can't tell you that, he said. Not because I don't want to. There's some things I don't know. It's the hope of finding out that keeps me alive. He looked up at the moon. Now, I don't know if that's the moon. Or if it's just a devil laughing down at me. See how it flickers? Looks like it moves just a little bit, then snaps back again, but not quite. Fifty years ago, you'd have seen only three quarters of it, leaving you with hope, boy. That's the way of devils. Here, sit down, he said. You're a cool one. I can see it in your eyes. Not like your dad. He ran out of here screaming, rattling at the chains on the door like the hordes were after him. Wouldn't come back in for love nor money. It's funny how things skip generations. Your great-grandpa said my dad was that way too, but me? I don't know if I was scared or not. Maybe you have to be intelligent to be scared. Wouldn't that be something? But I look at you and I can see a spark growing in there, like the one in Ralph's lighter. Now, great-grandpa always came back around to Ralph Undercott, no matter how hard he tried, I guess the hate must have been so deeply entrenched that by then there was no shaking it. Grandpa coughed into his handkerchief and folded it away again. I thought it would have been my turn, but maybe not, he said. Maybe it's your turn. If it is, there's so many things I want you to tell her. Now listen and try to remember. He lifted me down from the stage. You won't understand this, boy, but when you love someone, there's all sorts of things get in the way, and sometimes it's people. If it's life, you can do things with it. You can make it different. But people's people. No matter which way you look at them, they always come back to their own way of thinking. He held my hand and walked me slowly back over to Ralph. But there's worse. People leave things behind in other people. They sow little seeds, terrible things with barbs, things that grow into doubt and regret. Look at old Ralph here. 
Now there was a man for seeds. He drew me around in front of Alice, and looked there. See that glow in her eyes? That could have been a seed, taken hold and rooted right there. See it sparkle? Tell me, boy, how do you kill a bad seed? Well, I'll tell you, you can't. But I'll tell you, I've sat here and I've looked until I know one thing for certain. He picked me up and held me towards Alice's face. Look here, boy, tell me, do you see any depth in there? Do you see that sparkle lying anywhere other than right there on the surface? Look right in the back of her eyes, where her soul lives. Do you see? It's dark in there, and cool, and right in the back there's this shade of confidence. You know what that's about? That's about great-grandpa. He never took the time to find it, and I'm the fool took fifty years to see it. We sat together on the floor. Grandpa reached out and touched the tip of her shoe like it was something sacred. Tell you, boy, he saw Ralph trying to plant that seed. Always there when he turned, always wanting. Ralph was the kind of man always wanted things. And wanting's just one side of the human coin. Got nothing to do with the way we look. Wanters or hopers, that's what we are. Which one are you? He leaned back on one hand until our eyes met. Listen to me, boy. If I can't be here, these are the things I want you to tell her. Tell her first that great-grandpa loved her always. Tell her he was a fool. Then tell her that he knew that all along. That'll make her smile. I wish I could see that smile. I want to watch it spread down from her eyes like so much melting butter so I could lick it from the corners of her mouth. Oh, I forgot to tell you, he said. I love her too. It began when I was about eighteen or so. I came in here one day when the world was wide and all things possible. I sat and studied her until I thought I knew everything there was to see. Then I looked again into her eyes and saw what I'd missed. I saw why your great-grandpa spent his last years in here waiting. He was right in a way. When he showed me that look, right deep in the back of her eyes, it was about him. But it wasn't just about him. Any man that loved her had that look coming right back at him. And I saw it too. And I've loved her ever since. And I waited too. Remember to tell her that. Grandpa took my hand, and we sat still as cat shadows in the moonlight. We looked up to the roof, where alabaster gods chased lightnings across a painted plaster sky. Good and evil. That's what you'd see up there, boy. The endless battle. And we get caught in the wheels no matter who's driving. And I need you to tell her how it happened. He wiped the cuff of his coat across his eyes. You see, he said, when he was young... Great-grandpa laid out on summer nights and listened to the moon. He heard it singing silver in the leaves of the trees, heard it whispering the dew in the grass. 
He listened to it in the sharp of the shadows, and felt it bright in backyards and through dark windows. He never thought for a moment it would be listening to him. You see, boy, not in a hundred years, great-grandpa had said, not in a hundred years. He stormed right out to that rail by the sea and shouted at the moon, he won't have her, not in a hundred years. Grandpa's eyes shone silver in the flicker of the moon through the broken shutter. Plenty of men have done that, he said. Don't know why he should have been the one she listened to. He looked up at Alice, and the tears rolled down his face. If I'm not around, he said, you've got to tell her that I loved her too, and I'm sorry. None of us knew what power there was in hate. Promise me you will wait. Grandpa stood up and fastened his coat. Come on, boy, time to go. He caught the look on my face and knew it for what it was. Don't worry, he said. You'll be back one day. And now I'm back. And I'm waiting. And all that seems so far away now. My grandpa couldn't wait much longer. And from 18 years old I looked down into the past like it was a deep well from which we've struggled stone by stone, carrying these messages with us. Heaviest of them all is the accumulation of love groaning its way through the years until at last I hold it in my own hands. And perhaps being the last to love her brings its own understanding. You see... Great-grandpa died thinking that he placed a curse on Alice and Ralph. But that's not true. He placed the curse on himself and the rest of us. And today I look into her eyes from a man's height, and I can see what they all saw. Grandpa, great-grandpa, and even Ralph. And I want to show her that I love her too. And in a few moments I will, in the only way I know how. The moon is quiet now. The flickering has stopped. I wait. Then suddenly that spark jumps from flint to wick, and for the briefest of moments it blossoms like a phoenix. Alice bends to touch it, to draw it deep into the pale cigarette. I lean forward and with one quick breath extinguish the flame. She turns, as through the broken shutter sunlight anoints her with its gilded shroud. And for one last fleeting moment, just long enough to stop my breath, her eyes burn deep into mine. In my heart, I hope she had the time to understand.
Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me and a... (coughs) From Nelly. Goodbye.